0: Well, we're going to jump right into 1 John chapter 2. Last week we were in the first part of that chapter, today we're going to be in the last half of that chapter, so I want you to turn with me to verse 12 of 1 John chapter 2. Again, for those of you who maybe haven't been here, we're studying through the the letters of John. He wrote five books in the New Testament. We're studying the three smallest of those. That's 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. You'll find it towards the back of your Bibles, or if you have, you know, version on your phone, just type in. John, and you'll find it, I promise. And so we're in First John, chapter two, beginning with verse twelve, and it says this, I'm writing to you, little children. Since your sins have been forgiven on account of His name, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you've come to know the One who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have conquered the evil one. I've written to you, children, because you have come to know the Father. I've written to you, fathers, because you have come to know the One who is from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you're strong. God's Word remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world—if anyone loves the world, the Love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. "'Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. By this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us, for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it may be made clear that none of them belongs to us, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth.' I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? If not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This one is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. What you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the the promise that He Himself made to us, eternal life. I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you receive from Him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, His anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as it has taught you, remain in Him. So now, little children, remain in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of Him." Now this last part of this letter that John writes, he's writing this right front right up front to make it clear, like this is a universal message. This is not a message It was exclusive, it was not given to just a, a small group or, or just a, a special group. Remember, the reason that John is writing this letter is because he was fighting against Gnosticism. And again, just as a, a refresher, a reminder, Gnosticism was the idea that there was a, a special group of people within the church who felt like they were better than everyone else and that they had a, a relationship with God because they had some mystical knowledge of God that no one else had besides them, and that everyone else was, was not going to have a relationship with God that it only came through this special little knowledge, this special little group. So for instance, as an illustration, as you look around the room today, there's probably about 3,500 or so people in the room today, and as you look around the room and you see all the people, it's like there's this group of people, and that group of people are the group that are sitting like here in the first five rows, okay? And this group that's sitting in the first five rows, today we're going to call you the Gnostics, okay? So what we're going to call you is the arrogant people that think everybody else is not as good as you are, okay? That's who you are, congratulations, okay? Happy Father's Day. so. This is the group that felt like only they had a special connection to God, only they had a relationship with God, because they had been given this special little wisdom, this special little knowledge about God that came through this kind of special antennas that kind of came up in their heads, and, and then nobody else had it. So, like all of you over here, look over at them, they don't like you. They don't think you know anything about God whatsoever. They're the special ones, and you guys are losers, see? That's, that's what they think. And so, that's why John is writing this letter, because this group of people right here were messing up the church. You know you guys, I'm not talking about you specifically, right? Okay. Just want to make sure. That's why John's writing this. And so right up front, it's like he gives us a picture. It's a universal message. That's why in verses 12 and following through uh, 12 through 14, he says this, I'm writing to you fathers, I'm writing to you, you know, children, I'm writing to you young men. Basically, he's saying this, listen, this message is for everybody. It's not just for this group right down over here. This message that I'm giving to you, this hope, this promise, this, this incredible gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ that you have heard from the beginning, like this that Jesus gave to us now 60 years ago. Now remember now, He's writing this in about 90 A.D. Jesus went to the, uh, to the cross in around 30 A.D. And so, He's talking about a message that was given 60 years prior to when He's writing this letter. He said, so what you got at the beginning... What you heard from Jesus is still true, it is still accurate, it is still real, and that message is for you just as much as it's for them. And that's what he's writing. Like fathers and young men and and children, over and over, he says that in those first couple of verses there that we read today in 1 John chapter 2, like, guys, get it, it is still true, and it's for all of you. And then he goes on to tell us like what this message really is all about. And that's what we get in the second part that we read just a few moments ago, beginning with the first 15, which where he tells us, hey, walk away from the world and walk towards the light. Like, walk away from the things of the world and walk towards the light. Look what it says again in verse 15. In verse 15 he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride in one's possessions, is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Now here's the idea He's given to us. We have to make sure that we recognize that as followers of Jesus Christ, Like, if you've made the decision to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died and that He rose again, we celebrated with seven who got baptized today who have made that decision. We celebrate over 100-plus young people this week who made that decision. As I look around this room, probably most of you, if not All of you in this room would say, yes, I've made that decision. What John is saying is just simply this. Like, if you've made that decision, if you've made that declaration, then do not love the things of the world. Now, understand the Greek word that he's using here for the world is the word cosmos. Now, he's not talking about do not love this round thing that we live on, right? He's not talking about do not love God's creation. He's not saying like, you know, this earth that we live on with all of its beautiful mountains and all of the trees and the rivers and the oceans. He's not saying like don't love the thing that God created. What he's saying is don't love the things that are of the world. And so the idea, actually you go back and look at that original Greek word, cosmos, it does talk about God's creation, but it also talks about, he actually uses the phrase, the word ornaments. In other words, it's kind of like the things that we hang on to the world. Like, remember at Christmas time, we put up our Christmas trees, and we put our ornaments on the tree? Like, the ornaments actually are not part of the tree. The ornaments are something that we have added to the tree, that we have hung on the tree to decorate the tree, and to make the tree fit what we want the tree to look like. If we do not put ornaments on the tree, guess what the tree is going to look like? It's going to look like a green tree, and it's going to look like every other tree that's out there, Right? But when we put our ornaments on a tree, then we change it, we, we kind of give it some special character, some special look that we have decided this is what we want our tree to look like. And so that word, that Greek word cosmos, actually is defined as ornaments, and we find that in other places of the Scripture. And what we see is this, is what John is saying is like, don't love the ornaments of this world. Now remember, what are ornaments? The things that we have added to the tree, that we have added to the world to make it look more like what we want it to look like, to be like what we desire. And that's why he goes on to say the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. And the pride in one's possessions is we have changed God's creation to make it what we want it to be, to make it look like something that we desire for it to be. And guess what? We all are. We are all people who were born with what kind of nature? A sinful nature. And so, what we have done is we've taken what God created in perfection, and we have added our own little ornaments to it to change it to look more like what we want it to look like. And so, what John is saying here is do not love the things of the world. Don't love the ornaments. Don't love the things that that we have created. Don't love the things that are sinful. Why? Because we know that every time that we have love for the things of the world, then as he says here, it says these words, that the love of the Father is not in you. Now, does that mean that God stops loving us? Absolutely not. But what it does say is that if we have a deep and abiding love for the things of the world, then we cannot love God the way that we're intended to love God. You cannot love God and love the things of the world. Now can you say, why well, I like God? Yes. Can you respect God? You bet. Can you come into a church like this and worship God? Yes. Can you sing songs and talk about God? Yes. Can you read God's Word? Yes. Can you serve in the church? You bet you can, but here's what you cannot do. You cannot truly love God the way that God intends for you to love Him when you have a place in your heart for the things of the world. In fact, Max Anders said it this way. If we love the world, we are not loving God. We cannot love the world and love God at the same time. This interpretation from this passage is strengthened by James chapter 4, verse 4. And listen to what James 4, 4 says, friendship with the world is hatred towards God. Now, you think about that statement. Friendship towards the world is hatred towards God. And so that's the kind of underscores exactly what John is trying to say here. You can't love that, and then also say that you love God. And yet today, let's be honest, there are so many Christians today who love the world. Man, who want to look like the world, who want to be more and more like the world, who want to embrace the things of the world, and yes, they'll still come to church. They'll still come sit here in this room, and they'll say, man, man, we love God, and we serve God, and yes, we're a follower of Christ, but boy, I sure do want to be like them. I want to be like that guy. I want to be like that person. Man, I I really want the things of this world. I long for the things of this world. Listen, don't get mad at me for saying this, because God's Word said it. You can't love the things of the world and truly love God the way God intends for you to love Him. It can't be done. And so that's what John is writing this passage. And remember, he's writing it to everybody, old guys, young guys, children, everybody, get it. You can't love the world and still love God. And so then he goes on this passage to tell us like, hey, it's important because now's the time. Like now is the time to change things. Now is the time to get back on track. Now is the time to turn things around. Because remember now, The church now, 60 years after Jesus is gone, 60 years after He had died and after He rose again and after He ascended into heaven, and this group right here, they're messing everything up, right? I mean, this group is coming to the church and they're, they're blowing it. They're really taking the church down, this group is. And so, listen to what John says in verse 18. Children, it is the last hour. Now, this is the only place in all of the New Testament where this phrase is used. And he's saying, guys, like, we're down to the last hour. And you say, wait a minute now. Didn't he write this 2,000 years ago? And the answer is, yes, he did. And he's not talking about the last hour like it was, no, 1030 a.m. and he only had one hour left before everything was going to end. What he's saying is this is the last hour, talking about the time between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. Because we know the second coming of Christ is Coming. And we don't know when it is. The Bible says we don't know the day or the hour. But here's what I do know according to God's Word. When you study it through all of Scripture and you look at all the different passages and you see all the things that God talks about in the last days, like, guys, we have to be close. We have to be. I mean, it's impossible to think we can't be in the last days when you look at the insanity that is in our world today. And so here's what he says, children it's the last hour. And as you have heard from, uh, as you've heard the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, and by this we know it is the last hour. Now again, this is a, a sign that John has given to us, okay? John is saying, here's how you know that you're in the last days. You know the Antichrist is coming. He's talking about the Antichrist, which is a a prophetic figure talked about in the Scripture that is going to come during the tribulation period, okay? He says that here in the first. But then he says, and also, even now, many Antichrists have come. Now when he uses that phrase, antichrist, he's not talking about the one that we read about in Revelation, the one that we talk about that is going to come during the tribulation. The antichrists that he's talking about are the people who will come who will be false Christs with a false message, with a false teaching. Remember, this group right here, these are antichrists. I mean, You guys didn't know what you were coming to church for today, <laughs> did you? I mean, that's what John is talking about. Like, there's a group that's coming, and they're the Antichrist. They've already come, and they're trying to te- take people away from, teach you things that do not line up with Scripture. Is that happening today? Let me ask you that question. Man, it's happening everywhere. And sadly, it's happening in places like this that have the word church on the outside sign. Because people have stopped teaching the Word of God, and they've started teaching what they feel, what they think, more importantly, what they like. You know what they're doing? They're hanging ornaments on the tree. And that's the world in which we live. It's the world John lived in. It's the world we live in. And here's what John had to say. Children, it's the last hour. Guys, we don't have a lot of time. Time is short. Look what it says in verse 21. I'm not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. And what is the promise that God has given to us? The truth that we will stand on. Verse 25, and this is the promise that He Himself made to us, eternal life. And so guys, what John is making clear here today, and and to be honest with you, what I'd like to make clear to you today is this, time is short, now is the time, we're in the last hour, and we have a responsibility to recommit ourselves to the truth, to stand on the Word of God, and to do exactly what it is that God has called us to do. So what does John encourage us then in the last part of this passage? To stand strong. To stand strong, because we know the Antichrists are here, right? They're, they're here, and they're teaching the wrong stuff, and they're trying to take you in the wrong direction. Satan, John Ten Ten comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He's trying to get you off track. He's trying to mess you up. He's doing everything he can to do that. So stand strong. Look what it says in the last part of this passage, verse 28. So now, little children, here's how you stand strong. Remain in Him. So that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. So what's the message? What's the takeaway for today from 1 John chapter 2, the last part of this passage, that we must understand if we're going to be uh, what God intends for us to be? What's the takeaway? Remain in Him. How do we remain in Him? Man, we stay in God's Word. Man, we become prayer warriors. We do what it talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. Man, we put on the full armor of God because we so desperately need it. Because this group over here is trying to mess everything up. And as long as that group is here, and by the way, that group will be here until Christ returns. As long as that group is here, As long as Satan is on the prowl, we must do everything that we possibly can to remain in Him. Why? Because you can't love the world and also love God. So today, the message that John gives to us and that I would like submit to all of you in this room is this. We've seen what happens when people of faith— decide that they want to love the world. We've seen it. We call them hypocrites. We've seen the failures. We've seen the falls. We've seen the destruction. We've seen the damage. We've seen the marriages that have been destroyed, the families that have been ripped apart. We've seen the lives that have ended in in, in all kinds of, of corruption and scandal. We've seen it all, and all of that comes not from God, it comes when people decide I love the world, yes I'm a follower of Christ, but boy I love the world. You can't do both. So today we have a responsibility to recommit ourselves to truth. Remain in Him because He has promised us eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the encouragement that we have today through Your Word. God, for the strength that we find when we stand on it. And so, Lord, I pray that today for all of us in this room, God, help us to remain in You. Lord, help us not to love the things of the world. We read it a few moments ago, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the pride of our possessions, the pride of our stuff, the pride of the ornaments of this world. God, help us not to fall victim to fall prey to the attacks of satan. God help us to love you, not the world. God helps to recognize we have to remain in your truth. Because God, that is exactly what you sent your son Jesus to give to us. So God today I pray for all of us in this room watching, listening, God I pray that today we would Lord make some decisions to remain in you. Because I know there's some people that are hearing my voice right now, hearing your word right now. And I know that they are loving two things. They're loving the world and they're loving God. And God, as we've heard today from your word, like that that can't happen. That, they can't coexist. So God, I pray that today you would turn hearts towards you. God, that you would help us to recognize that we would have to walk away from the things of the world, and that we need to lean into loving You the way You intend for us to love You. And God, for that, today, Lord, we just simply say we're sorry that we've messed it up. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, our team is gathering here, the altar's open, as always. In a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing, and then when we do, The song that we're going to sing today just simply says these words, an old song, all to Jesus I surrender. That's really what it's all about. And so if you're here today and you've been trying to love the world and love God, my encouragement to you is maybe you need to come and kneel here and just say, God, today I recommit to you. I'm going to remain in you. Maybe you're here today, you don't know Christ. You're watching today, you don't know Christ. Hey, God loves you. And Christ died for you. He was buried, and He rose again. And according to God's Word, that even though we deserve to be separated from God, that God sent His Son, Jesus, so that we could be brought back to Him, that we could be connected to Him, made right with Him. And today, if you want to meet Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd love for you to come down and talk with one of our team members, and they'd love to share the truth of the gospel with you today. If you want to come to join our church or come for baptism, man, what a great celebration that is. I just encourage you, as we stand right now, and as Charles leads us this morning, that you step out right now and do what it is that God is calling you to do. And by the way, what we've heard that that is, is this, to remain in Him. Charles, lead us, and let's step out. The altar's open. All to Jesus I surrender. ourselves to you. God, we pray that you would help all of us. Lord, even though we do all face temptation, we all go through difficult times. God, we know that Satan is out there trying to pull us away from you. God, I pray that you would give us what we need, give us strength. Lord, we pray that today we would clothe ourselves with the armor of God, that we would be protected from the attacks of this world. And that we would remain in you, focused on you and who you are. And God, that you would use us to bring light into a dark world. And God, for that, we give you the praise. We give you the glory in all that you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As always, the altar remains open. And would you just join me in saying thank you to our object lessons right down front here, the Antichrist who came to church. We thank you. The altar's open. We would love to have you come down and connect with our team. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this journey of faith in Jesus Christ. So send us an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, well, we're here to help you. So just reach out to us. We'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. And if you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, then go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.